Good morning, View Church. Good morning to our Camps Bay location. We've got church happening at Malpos. And then to all the awesome table viewers. Uh, so good to be growing again. And I um, have seen faces come back. We haven't been in church for a while. You have no idea how happy it makes my heart. But we're gonna, we're gonna open up in prayer. Let's pray quickly before you guys take a seat. Awesome. Our Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here. You wanna move. I pray I will get out of the way and that you will have your way. God, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I thank you that your word never returns void, God. It always does what you set it out to do. In Jesus' mighty name and all of God's people said, amen. You guys can take your seats. So if you were at church last week, you will you would have heard my husband Andre speak about rhythms of grace. Who was here just out of interest sake? Listen, that was a good message, hey? Uh, you know when, when you listen to a message and you feel like God is speaking directly to you, you know? That's how I felt. I was like, did God and Andre was this like a setup, you know, the two of them? But it challenged me big time. And um, I I always tell you guys, if you wanna see what I'm being challenged with, go look at my cell phone screensaver because it's always got, you know, what I'm, what I'm working on, trying to grow in on the screensaver. But Andre dropped so many bombs last week and, and just a few of them I wanna bring up about Rhythms of Grace. He said, you know, Jesus was never in a hurry. Okay, now if you know me, you can, you'll know why that convicted me. Jesus was never in a hurry. And then he said, it's very difficult to love someone when you're in a hurry. It's very difficult to show love when you're in a hurry. Another bomb where I was like, Oof. And then, what was the best one? Jeez, uh, this for me. Whatever you say yes to is gonna cause you to say no to something else. So choose your yeses wisely. I'm just gonna throw those out there, think about them again. I hope they convict you as much as me so that I'm not alone. You guys get challenged, anyone else get challenged? It was a good message, hey. So we're carrying on with the topic, rhythms of grace. We're gonna talk about something a little bit different along the lines. And I thought I would start off with a quick question. So how many of you are, are here today? Put your hands up. Okay, you're like a bit loopy this morning. You are here, that's right, you are here physically. And I am so glad that you are here physically, but what I'm actually asking is not who's in the building, who's actually listening to me? <laughs> who's here mentally? Come on, you can be here with your body. Oh, I'm so glad you are here. Because listen, I've been in many church services, you're sitting there with your body, but your mind is not, is not really, you're not really listening. Okay, so I'm, I'm glad you guys are with me. I wanna encourage you to lean in. You're gonna get, oh, you, you always get so much more out when you lean in. But there's a big difference between being there in a physical form and actually leaning in. Why am I so happy that you're here and you're leaning in? Because the Holy Spirit is here. This is God's house. When God's people come together, the Bible says He can do anything. My, one of my favorite verses, better is one day in His courts than a 
thousand elsewhere. I believe that. You say, Leanne, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense scientifically. Leanne, it, it, it sounds like a, a fable. No, it's God's word. I believe it in all my heart. God can do more for you in one day in this house than a thousand days of therapy or training or, I believe that. We serve a supernatural God. He can heal you, he can, he can bless you, he can do anything. And we're sitting here in the presence of the God who spoke the universe into being. It's a pretty powerful place to be. Would you guys agree that it's a privilege? We are privileged. Now, there's a rather unfortunate reality that I have to share with you guys. Just, just, wait. Statistically speaking, statistically speaking, let me, let me get the stats right here. Wait, wait, it's quite a high stat. About 50% of you are not going to be with me for much longer. <laughs> Statistically speaking, okay? The way the world goes with your smartphone, or who's got their smartphone in their pocket, don't lie in church, every single one of you. Statistically speaking, pretty soon, one of you is gonna pick up your phone and have a look at Instagram and see how many likes your last photo got. Statistically speaking, a few of you are gonna pick up your phone and go, she thinks I'm taking notes. She thinks, I'm, she thinks she's that good. And you, you're replying to an email quickly. Come on, who's done it? Don't lie in church. Statistically speaking, some of you are going to get that glazed look in your eyes. I see that glazed look. I, I, sometimes I'm like, oh, they're gone. Like the, and, and they're planning their lunch. What am I gonna eat for lunch? Do I have to go to the shop? How long will it take? Get the kids out, da, da, da. Some of you are gonna be stressing about the week. The week that you've got bills to pay, your boss is being a real, mm, and there's stuff that you're worrying about. So statistically speaking, there's a fair chance. I should actually just do all the punchy stuff right in the beginning, hey. But again, I'm gonna encourage you to stick with me on the journey. Because in 2021, we live a life where we are easily distracted. Now Jesus was very, very different to you and me. He did not live in the smartphone era, so it is very different. But we're gonna get back to this. I'm, I have a point, just to stay with me. I firstly, just wanna mention a story that most of you guys are probably very well aware of. So Jesus' first ever miracle, who knows what it was? Oh, wedding, there we go, what ends of wine, there we go. Okay, first ever miracle. Someone was very excited about that miracle in that corner. But yes, first miracle ever. Jesus is there with his mother and there was a gentleman hosting the wedding, but the bridegroom was responsible for the wine and he ran out. And apparently that's like a real like social, like no note was very embarrassing. You know, how can you run out of wine? And so Jesus goes, gets the bottles of water and turns it into wine. And then they let the wedding host, so you've probably been a wealthy man who owned the place where the wedding was. They let him have a sip. And he said, oh my gosh. He said, normally they serve the good wine in the beginning of the wedding and then the cheap stuff when everyone's drunk and they don't know what they're drinking. 
Legit, it's in the Bible. And he's like, but you kept the best for now. I'm, I'm gonna read quickly out of the scripture. Here we go. John chapter two, verse nine. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He didn't realize where it had come from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, he called the bridegroom outside and he said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. You guys thought I made that up, hey? In the Bible. And he says, and basically he's going, but this stuff is amazing. Okay, that's not the point. This is the point. This is what I want you guys to remember. He says, but you have saved the best till now. The topic of this sermon is this. The best has been saved for now. Okay? The best has been saved for now. We're gonna get into more detail. Stick with me. Okay, going back to how Jesus was very different from you and me. So, we're in a fast-paced world. We're on a mission. We're distracted. There's so much going on. Jesus was present. Okay, he wasn't in a hurry. He gave people his undivided attention. We look at the first piece of scripture I wanna to read to you guys. Um, Jesus is entering Jericho and it's in the Gospel of Luke. And there are crowds everywhere and everybody wants a piece of Jesus. Everyone wants to get close to Jesus. He's the VIP, he's the man of the hour. And a blind beggar starts yelling out and trying to grab his robe. And the disciples are disgusted, leave him alone, you know, just, just stay away from him. How dare he type thing. And Jesus is, is busy and he's on a mission, but he stops. And he turns to the blind beggar whose name was um, Bartimaeus. And this man said, Jesus, I've been blind my whole life. I need you to heal me. And Jesus prays for him and heals him. And he can see, you guys have heard the story. But Jesus stops everything he's doing and he is fully present and he engages with this man. Then, not long afterwards, he's also entering Jericho. And um, there was a name by the, sorry, a man by the name of Zacchaeus. Who remembers Zacchaeus? Okay, he was the short little dude who climbed the tree to see Jesus. Zacchaeus was a very, very wealthy, very, very disliked man. Because in the Bible times, he was a tax collector. And tax collectors in those days were not, oh, what's the right word? Um, give me, help me guys. Hey? No, yeah, they weren't popular, but they also weren't, they weren't honest. Okay, they, they pretty much were crooks. So they would take your tax and some. Okay, and everyone knew they were crooks. Everyone knew that they were being robbed by the tax collectors, so they were disliked. So this very wealthy man is climbing in a tree and he's trying to see Jesus. And Jesus notices him and he calls him by name. He says, Zacchaeus, get down from the tree. 
And then he stops everything he was doing. The Bible actually says he was entering, sorry, he was passing through Jericho. He was entering Jericho to pass through. So he was going somewhere, right? He had somewhere to go. He had places to be, people to see. He was on a mission. He sees Zacchaeus in the tree and he calls him by name and he says, get down, let's have a conversation. Stops everything fully present, goes and has lunch with Zacchaeus and changes Zacchaeus' life. Okay, the story ends with Zacchaeus saying, I'm gonna give half of everything I have to the church and I'm gonna pay back every person I stole from 400%. He must have been super rich <laughs> if you think about it. Like, it's a lot of money to give back. But are you guys getting the point? Jesus cared so much. He wasn't in a hurry. He stopped. He fully engaged. He gave this person time. He changed his life. Who knows where Zacchaeus would have ended up if Jesus hadn't called him out of that tree. Some of us, and I'm talking to Leanne Greif right here, would probably have walked straight past Zacchaeus because I am on a mission. I've got places to be. I'm busy. I'm in a hurry. I wouldn't have noticed the dude in the tree. And if I saw him, I probably would have thought that's weird. I'm going to walk faster. <laughs> but Jesus was full of love, not in a hurry, and fully engaged. Some of us are so focused on getting into the waves to catch a surf, or we're so focused on growing our business and making money so we can retire at 45, or we're so focused on getting a Sunday nap that the Zacchaeus or the Bartimaeus, they're on their own. Let's just be real. That's not what Jesus did. I also wanna point out, Jesus, was fully present and he had time for the dodgiest criminal as well as the most down and out. So it didn't matter if you were rich, famous, if you were poor, no hidden agendas, Jesus loved. Are you guys with me? Are you following me? So he was present, he was in the moment. You and I need to learn to be present. Life in general, this has challenged me. This whole sermon series has challenged me, you know. I think sometimes even being a mother, you can go, um, you know, well, the 12th birthday is a big deal. We'll make that amazing. Or um, I can remember for Juliana, my firstborn, oh my gosh, the first few birthday parties, like you, it's all about the mother, let's be honest, because the kid can't remember. And the balloons and the food and the fanfare and the bowl, and you just go all out. This kid doesn't remember a thing. And I don't think we really bonded as mother and daughter in this big moment. I'm just being honest. Then there's been moments where I've picked her up from netball practice, just her and I in the car, and we've driven home, and I'm like, hey, how did practice go? How was your day? And she'll pour out, she'll start to really open up to me. She'll tell me stuff that's going on that I had no idea was going on. And I have these little moments to talk to her 
and go, you know what, Juliana, that's okay. You've got Jesus inside of you. Like, you're bigger than that. You don't, you don't have to let that bother you. You can, that, you, know, you know these moments where you're going, that was a bonding moment. That was a moment where I got to sow into my daughter. What am I trying to get across? It's not always the big monumental days, the weddings, the anniversaries. The, it's the everyday moments where we need to be present and aware that there's an opportunity. Are you with me, church? COVID for, for my family, I, I just put this in here, it changed a lot of things for our rhythm, you know? It, like, it was crazy. I, every parent, even if you're not a parent, and we were all trying to find our feet. But for a couple of months, my daughters got into this thing where I, not Andre, for some reason, it had to be mommy. I had to lie with them for like half an hour every night with worship music for them to fall asleep. And you know, in the beginning, it was a little bit frustrating because I, oh, you know, I've got so much to do. I just want to put them to bed. And they, I used to give them a kiss on the cheek and then they would fall asleep. I don't know if it was the whole COVID, there's a virus, it's a scary thing that made them. But eventually I was like, I, this is actually pretty cool. I get to lie here and cuddle them for 30 minutes. And there's, I know there's gonna be a time when they get older where they're not gonna want me to lie there and cuddle them for 30 minutes. They're gonna be like, get out of my bed, mom. Like, I'm, you, you, like let's be real, they get, they're growing up. I actually learned to love it. And can I tell you, for the last month, guess what? Guess, I'm not, I'm not invited, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm not allowed, but I'm not invited into the bed anymore. They've now gone back to their own rooms and I'm not, it's cool, mom, I'm, I'm fine, I'm a big girl. And I actually feel my heart go, it's like we're schizophrenic, but I miss it now. This thing that was annoying me. We've got to be present. We've got to take in every moment. So Harvard, they did a study. Like I said to you guys, who's still with me? Say, I'm with you. Okay, how, how much do you think percentage that was, guys? Was that like a 40% maybe? The rest of you are glazed eyes. So Harvard say that 47% of people's minds are not where their feet are on any given occasion. Now I've been there. Okay, I'm using my kids a lot, but this can happen anywhere. I'm standing in the kitchen. I'm doing something on my phone. One of them's asking me a question. Uh, yeah, mm, mm. They walk away. What the freak did I just say yes to? Is it just me? 47% of people, their minds are not where their feet are. They say, this is crazy. They say the biggest distraction is the cell phone. And they say average cell phone users touch their phones 2,617 times a day. Average. Now, like Andre said last week, we are not an average church. We are overachievers, right? <laughs> so, they say the top 10% touch their phones 5,400 times a day. That's disgusting. I hope you wipe your phones down, people. <laughs> Alcohol swabs, but don't break the speakers. But think about that. 5,400 times a day. And we're wondering why we're distracted. If 
we're not obsessed with our phones, can I just ask, anyone not have a smartphone? Anyone? Uh, it's, no, uh, listen, I think it's wise. Anyone else? Uh, Carter, you're a legend. Like, coolest teenager ever. A teenager without a smartphone. I think he deserves like a freaking standing applause. <laughs> I like, that's incredible. So, most of us have smartphones. But get this, so, so Craig Gishal, who talks a lot on the subject that we're speaking about, Rhythms of Grace, he says, if it's not the smartphone, then it's normally mind games. And one of the biggest games is the when-then game. The when-then game, game. So when I'm out of high school, then things will be different. Or when I get a job, then things will be different. When I get married, then things will be different. But we all know that habits are way harder to break than they are to form. Okay. If you're not stuck in the when-then games, you're probably stuck in the what-if games. What if I don't pass my exam for UNISA in seven months? What if I, nev- I don't ever get my dream job? What if I don't find a spouse? Crazy thing is, we are insulting God, aren't we? And listen, we all do it. Matthew 6 verse 34 says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. And the Bible also says, Don't throw away your confidence, it will be richly rewarded. So why all the what ifs? Because we, we, we have fear and there's a lack of faith. Hebrews 13 verse six says, we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? I'm gonna ask the keys to come up. Thanks, Josh. Any 30 second fans in the house? You know the game, 30 seconds. Anyone like that game? Anyone cause some major fights in their family with that game? <laughs> yeah, my family is so competitive. Um, when my brother was dating his wife, she actually said, I will not come to the family do if you guys are gonna pay 30 seconds. Cause I, I can't handle the, the, the drama. So yeah, we take it seriously. <laughs> but you know, in 30 seconds, traditionally you get those little, like, uh, what do you call them? Um, what word? Power. Hourglass. There we go. Hourglass. Okay. So you're all picturing the hourglass, right? And you flip it over and your time starts. I want you guys to think of our lives as an hourglass, just for a moment. Okay. You flip it over and the sand drops. The difference between us and an hourglass is that we don't know how much sand there is to still drop. We don't know. We, I, I pray to God that we all hit 100, but we don't know when our number is up. Okay, so that's the one thing that's different. And the advice that I would give 
is that we need to then become people who celebrate every moment, okay? We are people who celebrate. Celebration is a choice. It's not dependent on your circumstances. Psalm 118 verse 24 says, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Not I feel like it or the circumstances point that way. I'm making a choice. I'm gonna celebrate. And one of the biggest most important lessons, if we wanna be people who celebrate, is we have to be fully present. So I heard one female pastor in America say this, and I thought it was so powerful. I might have shared it once before. She said, we need to learn to redeem our routine. That's such a pastory thing to say, hey, like it rhymes. We have to learn to redeem our routine, okay? So in other words, if you're a parent, any parents in the room changing nappies? You guys will be doing it very soon. And my neighbors, so I might have to get stuck in there. I love newborns. I just can't have any more to make me broody, you too. Anyone changing dirty nappies right now? Anyone? They're all still sleeping. They're coming to the 10 o'clock. We got, there we got one, we got one. Okay, okay. So how do you redeem that routine? When you're changing that baby's nappies, you go, I woke up this morning and the sand is still dropping. I'm blessed, I've still got time. Okay, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm changing a pooey, stinky nappy right now, but God, thank you that this child is healthy, that the GIT system works, that they're able to make a stool, that we can actually have a healthy baby at home with us. God, you are good. This is a gift. I'm gonna thank you. I'm gonna turn something mundane and routine into a moment where God gets glory and praise. And when we do that, we allow Him to work powerfully on our behalf, amen? We're gonna redeem our routine. So, you know, um, another thing I've done, bedtime. So I'm not allowed to, well, I'm not saying I'm not allowed. I reckon if I, if I, if I had my way and I said, oh, I wanna sleep with you, they'd still let me, but they, they're big girls now. But I still put them to bed. And what I've done in that bedtime is I've redeemed that routine. I'm going, cool, I've gotta spend a couple of minutes putting them to bed. I'm gonna make it count. So I get, I get into the bed and I tell them, you know what, okay, before we go to bed, you're gonna pray and you're gonna thank God for all the things he's blessed you with. And they, and they list it. And I go, you are the most blessed little girls. God loves you so much. Look what he's given you. Look what he's done for you. And then I say, and you know what? I love you so much too. You know why Zara? I'll tell my youngest one. I'll say, because you are kind and you are strong and you stand up for what's right and you love Jesus and you're gonna be a world changer. And Zara, you're gonna marry a man of God who loves God so much and loves you so much. And I use that bedtime to speak life over her. 
and then the worship songs come on and they go to bed. So it's not just a routine. It's a time where I'm actually speaking life over my child, where I'm actually molding her, where I'm building up her confidence, where I'm telling her that I'm proud of her. Are you with me? A mundane moment becomes a redeemed moment and a powerful moment in your life. You know, in my GP days, I'll never forget this. I had a young patient and um, I'd been a GP for about seven years and this young patient came in and um, I'm not gonna tell you too much, um, but she was studying a degree that was a really hard degree to get into. So she was a clever girl, a really clever girl, an overachiever. And she was only in like her third year and she came to me and she said, doctor, I have a stomach bug. But she didn't look like she believed it. I said, okay. And I asked about her symptoms. And then I said, is there any way you could be pregnant? And she said, I. So I said, let's do a pregnancy test. You know, you just have that. I used to pray every day, God, give me discernment. We did the pregnancy test. It was positive. Okay, she had a good cry in my office. And then she said, I need to terminate this baby. She said, I'm only in my... Uh, third year, I've got so many more years of studying. She said, I'm gonna disappoint my parents. She said, I've broken up with the dad. He wants nothing more to do with me. She said, I need, you need to help me, doctor, to terminate the pregnancy. So I started to pray in tongues in my head. And I said to her, okay, hold on. Let's just, let's just stop for a second. Um, I, I, this is what I, I, I decided to be present, okay? Because you know what GPs are like, 15 minute appointments in and out. <laughs> yeah, you feel like you're in a, like cattle being shipped. Out. No one else had that experience at the GP where it's like, yeah. so I was like, okay. So I actually phoned my secretary. I said, I need half an hour. You're gonna have to warn the patients or reschedule. This is dealing with something serious. So I said, okay, I wanna tell you about my mother. I said to her, my mother was born when my granny had just turned 20. So my mom was conceived when she was 19. And I said, in those days, there would have been a lot of pressure not to have a baby out of wedlock. And I said, my gran went ahead and had my mom. And I said, my mother is the most incredible person I have ever met. Uh, I said, she's changed so many lives. Uh, I told her my mom's a social worker. She used to go get street children out of jail uh, at two in the morning in apartheid times when they were unfairly arrested. She fought for them. Um, they would have Christmas at our house for years. She, 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 my mom is one of the most passionate people. She will, she will do anything, you know, um, to help. And I said, you know, I cannot imagine this world without my mother. And I said, God had a purpose and a plan for my mom. And I said, I think God has a purpose and a plan for this, this baby. And I said, I can't tell you what to do at all, but I want you to think about the fact that the world might really need this child. This child might be a, a world changer. In fact, I bet this child is. And anyway, I, I spoke to her a little bit more. I had to give her, so by law, I have to give her her options. That's, that's all I have to do. I have to give her her options. I don't have to be involved in the, in the process going further. 
And we listened and she decided to go and think about it. No, not a religious person, didn't want anyone, like didn't want to talk about God, even though I, I did. About 15 months, no, more than 15 months, about 25 months later, I got a handwritten letter from this little girl who had just turned one from her granny. And she said, thank you for spending those 45 minutes with my daughter. You saved my grandchild's life. Now, no, listen, I don't even like, but, but that's God. That was God, that was the Holy Spirit. I mean, the word, I, I was just going, God, I wanna be present. So I would go to work every day and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. If there is someone that you need, that you want me to help, if, you know, please, I don't wanna kill a patient, give me discernment on what's really wrong with them, help me, I need you. And that was the Holy Spirit completely. But I'd forgotten all about it and, and 25, well, yeah, so how, yeah, the little girl had just turned one and her, her mom said that conversation and that, that picture that this child has a destiny. And uh, yeah, she's the most beautiful little girl now. She's, you know, um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't wanna say too much more, but it was a, a beautiful story. But what I'm trying to say, church, is that there's these moments all the time. There's these, there's these, um, um, Zacharias and there's these uh, there's these people like my patient that need you and I to be praying and interceding and stopping and being present and being willing to say there's a God who loves you and I get to be his hands and his feet and I'm gonna help in any way and also to remind yourself, we need to remind ourselves. I know we always say the best is yet to come, but you know what? With that hourglass picture right now, this is the best day ever. This is the best day ever for you to make a good decision. This is the best day ever for you to invest in someone's future. This is the best day ever for you to bless your children. This is the best day ever for you to make a change that's gonna be healthy. You don't have to go, I'll do that in 10 years time. You know, the best is coming in 10 years. No, 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 this, this is the moment that you have, that you guaranteed. I tell you what, if we live our lives like that as the church, we'll be so much more effective. Amen. People are not interruptions. They're opportunities for us to live out our, our lives of live out lives of love and be used by God. Just like Jesus was consumed with his love for a dodgy dude like Zacchaeus and that poor blind beggar, he is consumed with love for you and I. Okay, he loves us. You might be going through a super rough time right now. You, I want you to wake up in the morning and speak in faith. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. God's gonna do something good today. Today is my best day. You proclaim it, you speak it over your life. The Bible says, what moves God's hand? Faith. Faith moves the hand of God.
His love blows me away. You know, he was nailed to a cross, pretty much naked, suffering the worst possible death that they could come up with, beaten to a pulp. This is a God who came down to earth and lived a sinless life, but couldn't bear the thought of spending eternity without you and you and you and you and me. He couldn't bear the thought of being separated from us for eternity. So he lived a sinless life and then went to a cross. And while he was lying on that cross, being suffocated to death, because that's how you die on a cross, in that moment, even in that moment, He was thinking about other people. He was looking for opportunities. There was a criminal on the cross next door to him who turned to Jesus and said, will you remember me when you get to heaven? I know you're the real God. Will you remember me? And he wanted to make right. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. I will see you in heaven in just a little bit. Even in the worst pain, in the worst circumstances, Jesus is thinking of others, reaching out to others, loving others. It blows me away. I just want to sustain this attitude of worship. And I want to pray for every single one of us. You can lift your hands up if you feel comfortable. This is just a sign of surrender. It's nothing weird or freaky. You're just saying, God, I'm surrendering. Jesus, we love you. We are so grateful that you love us so much that you would come to earth and die in our place. God, you are an amazing Father. And I pray that you will give us the strength every day to wake up and lean on your promises, that this is the day that the Lord has made. We're gonna rejoice and be glad because you're in it, God. We are never alone. You hold us by the right hand. You've got an amazing future for us, God, but you've also got an amazing present for us. You're here in the right now. And I pray, God, that you will just be with every person who feels alone, who feels isolated, that they will know that the King of the universe has them by the right hand and they are never alone. And you are always fighting for us. And God, I pray we'll be an army for you whose eyes are always open, God, that we are ready, that we are ready to stop and pause and be your hands and your feet. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, just while we stay in this attitude of worship. If you are here this morning, the presence of God is here too. And you might not be in a relationship with Jesus or God, but He loves you fiercely and that's, what, that's all He wants. He wants to be your father, he wants to be able to have your back. He wants to get to know you intimately. So right now he wants to welcome you with open arms into his family. So just with every head bowed out of respect, if you're saying, Leanne, I wanna give my life to Jesus. I wanna acknowledge that he died on the cross. I wanna live a life of purpose. Then I'm gonna count to three and ask you just to pop your hand up because it's something so powerful. The Bible says, Jesus says, if you acknowledge me before man, I'm a woman, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. 
so with every eye closed, on the count of three. One, God so loved the world. Two, that he gave his one and only son. Three, you can pop your hand up if you wanna give your life to Jesus or you wanna recommit. Maybe you've pulled away. Maybe you are not in a relationship, but you know you need to come back. Just pop your hand up so I can see it. Best decision you will ever make. Camp Bay, there'll be people looking out for you as well. Best decision you could ever make. If your heart's beating super, super fast, that's the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're gonna pray together as a family. Can we do that, church? Okay. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for paying the price for my sins. Today, I ask you to be Lord of my life, to forgive me of my sins. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you've called me. And thank you that I get to live for something greater than myself. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, church. Awesome. So remember, this is a double dip Sunday. You want to come back twice. We we're hearing from Martine Whitaker tonight. She's a powerhouse preacher. You don't want to miss it. Otherwise, all the parents, you guys can enter up the back um, and get your kiddos. And um, have an amazing week, church. Keep safe. We love you guys. And don't forget the EP launch. It's going to be amazing. Hey, are you watching social media? You all got to be here.